You're tuned into Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Nicole Anzia, a professional organizer and contributor to the Washington Post on how to clear and create a stress-free environment for the life you want to live. Thank you for joining me today, Nicole. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Going into the New Year's, usually a time of clearing and renewal. What prevents people from creating this refresh to a new start? I think a lot of people are motivated right at the beginning of the year. They've made a resolution. They're sort of overwhelmed by everything that they received uh, over the holidays, and they're motivated to do something, and they make a start, and that's great. But then after a while, their motivation tapers a little bit um, for a lot of reasons. But for many people, um, they're just too busy, and it's hard to find the time to declutter um, your house, and then it's it's also time-consuming to decide what to do with the things that you want to get rid of, um, especially things that you don't just want to toss. Um, It's also hard, I just think, because people are constantly making so many decisions in their lives, and this is just, um, you know, decluttering involves making a lot of decisions about your personal items, and that can be sort of emotionally exhausting. So um, it's always good to get help, um, either from a friend or a neighbor or a family member, um, or maybe somebody in your family, if, if you think that might work. So that's a good point about making decisions and having to sort through everything. What I find hard to do is, you know, breaking them down into different piles and then figuring out where they should go or who they should go to. Is there an easier way to do this? Are you talking, so, um, so for instance, if you um, have gone through your closet and then you have some clothes to get rid of, right, setting those aside as one category, maybe you have some household items um, that, you've, or that you're ready to get rid of or some books. So, yeah, I think that's right to divide into categories and then um, just try to, try to do one, um, you know, you don't have to do it all at once, I guess. So maybe make it a goal that, you know, in January you're going to go through your clothes and then you're going to take it somewhere to be donated. Um, and then maybe in February you could think about doing your books um, or you can think about doing, you know, your bathroom vanity items um, another month. I think the thing that people try to do is to try to do too much at once and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and they kind of burn out. So going category by category and starting small and doing one space at a time is really ideal. That's great advice. What about feeling guilty about everything you've purchased and now you're going to shed them? Is there (laughs) any way of getting around that guilt or making yourself feel better about it? Um, I mean, I think that the guilt is normal, but you can't dwell on it too long. I mean, you bought it, and it's there, and um, now it's sort of just your responsibility to make a decision and um, to hopefully do something with it if you're donating it or recycling it. Um, You know, there are a lot of good places that um, will 
will happily accept your items and give them to people who can who can use them and or um like I said if you dispose of of electronics or other things responsibly I think you can assuage, assuage a little bit of your guilt but um I think just letting go of that and realizing that everybody is in the same position and um and then maybe resolving to change your behavior a little bit in the new year so you don't feel like you're constantly swimming upstream in terms of how... in terms of i think just bring the things that you're bringing into your home and then having to sort of um figure out what to do with and eventually um maybe decide to get rid of them. So I think just in terms of thinking about when you're making purchases, whether or not you really need the item, whether or not you really want the item, whether or not you could really use the item. Um, and so it, it just makes life easier on the other end, I guess. I find that the guilt is also tied to presents, right, from other people. And let's say I'm not using them or I don't need it, but it's a gift. Um, right. How do you usually advise people about those? Well, I usually tell people that I don't think that the person who gave you the gift would want you to sit there <laughs> and feel, you know, feel badly that you're not using it and you don't want it. I mean, that's not their intention, and I don't think that they would want that from you. So I think it's okay if you just decide that for whatever reason you received a gift from somebody that doesn't meet your needs or that you don't particularly like let it go. <laughs> it's okay. Um, nobody's going to like you less. It's, you know, it's, um, nobody has to know. People do it all the time. Um, and better to have somebody use it, uh, you know, give it to somebody who can use it. So you mean you don't pull that boss out during Christmas before your in-law comes into town? I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Pull that out. A gift that somebody gave you the year prior. I mean, you know, I mean, some of those things may, you know, I mean, maybe it's worth a, a relationship. I mean, I just find that most people um, don't remember. I mean, some people probably remember what they gave you, but most times I don't think people are looking through your house um, to try to see where something is um, and or, um, you know, trying to... Uh, you know, count the items they can see on display that they gave you. So, um, you know, again, you can come up with some creative excuse. That's a good point. What about, I? so I have family members who like to keep everything and just piles up. Is there something behind holding on to things or hoarding? I heard it can be disorder. What do you think about that? Um, so holding on to things that may or may not be useful, I mean, they just can't. Are you referring to just not being able to get rid of anything kind of thing? Um, I do have a couple of family members who don't seem to want to get rid of anything. You would think there's a war coming. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's... yeah, I mean, that is not uncommon, right? I mean, a lot of people who, you know, perhaps grew up in more lean times and who um, who like to, you know, keep things just in case, um, you know, it's not uncommon, especially um, with the older generation. Um, I think that oftentimes um, if you can just start small and – um, try to sort of reason with them or have somebody else, preferably not somebody in your family. Um, you know, just talk to them about, um, oh, you know, about um, a different use for something or, you know, the, the, you know, just try to reason about 
the fact that they may no longer need X, Y, or Z, or um, maybe try to convince them that maybe keeping half of, you know, something. Um, you know, I don't know, uh, is it like office supply? Like people are kind of, um, I feel like in especially older generations tied to things like um, office supplies, newspapers, they like to keep a lot of newspapers about big events. Um, books, I think, are always hard to part with. Um, but I think, and I think also an argument can be made perhaps to, um, you know, not wanting to sort of burden their children and um, the next generation with having to deal with all of these things when they're gone. Um, And so that's a delicate conversation to have, but it often does speak to people. They don't sort of want to leave a big mess of things that nobody really wants. And so, um, you know, perhaps coming at it like that is helpful. You had mentioned before the show that people need permission to get rid of something. Can you explain that, how the, what happens? Yeah, I mean, I do, uh, like you were saying, I think a lot of people feel guilt either about buying something themselves or getting rid of a gift. And, you know, it may be because the item is useful and could be useful. And so they don't really, you know, they they want to sort of rationalize or they, they feel like they have to rationalize why they should keep it. Um, and so I think just sometimes uh, somebody coming in and just giving them the permission to say, look, it's okay. You know, people, pe- you can get rid of this pair of socks. It's not a big deal. People do this all the time. You shouldn't, you know, again, I think people feel wasteful and people sometimes feel um, like they are doing harm to the environment by, you know, by getting rid of these things. Um, I I try to give them permission in both um, helping them to understand that it's completely okay to donate something that you're no longer using. Um, And then also um, I help give them permission by um, trying to get whatever the items are to somebody who can use it or to the highest sort of use or to – you know, something to recycle something or to make sure that we've um, gotten rid of it in an environmentally responsible way. Does that help uh, with the holding on to things that, the you know, the psychology of hoarding, right? That there's stress yeah. of getting rid of things that could act, lead to an actual disorder. Um, do you come across this um, when you're working with people? That their living um, space becomes impaired because they, it's not being used the way it's intended to? I do. I mean, I do come across it occasionally. Um, I don't work with hoarders um, in particular. There are people who specialize in that um, sort of area of expertise. But, um, but I do think um, that occasionally people um, start to collect um, you know, whatever it may be. It's not as much as um, I feel like they're buying a ton of stuff and bringing it into the house, but they are um, sometimes sometimes collecting things, um, you know, anything from newspapers to plastic containers to take out, you know, um, plastic utensils and, you know, soy sauce and things like that. But I, a lot of times what I deal with is just, families and people that are so busy and they're working and they're, you know, spending time with their family and they're doing, you know, the things that they like. And all of a sudden they look up one day and they're like, where did this stuff all come from? So it's not really like a conscious decision. It's just that they are accumulating, you know, we all accumulate 
stuff. And, um, and some people just have a harder time than parting with it, right? Because they see a higher value to it. They're worried that they might not be able to find it again. They were, they worry that they might need it. They worry that they might run out of money. And so that's sort of the hoarding side of things is when there are some irrational reasons that come into play for keeping things. So you said there were common aspects that you see when people are holding on to things that they have no room for when you walk into a place. And it sounded like, let's say there are a lot of plastic bags. And um, what does the space, what should the space be like versus what is the space typically like for people who are not clearing or you know doing a refresh? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times I see, um, you know, tote bags or boxes filled with things and sort of lined around the edges of a room. Um, and I've written a column about how the floor is not um, an actual storage space. <laughs> so I think, you know, you want to sort of have things um, off the floor as much as possible. You don't want to have bags and boxes that haven't been unpacked, suitcases that haven't been unpacked. You want to see some clear surfaces um, in a kitchen, on a dining room table, on an entryway table, on a desktop. So um, I guess, you know, people start to feel very overwhelmed in their space by clutter when there's, um, you know, sort of no empty space and nothing, um, their, their mind is just jumping from space to space to thing to thing because there's just stuff everywhere. So, um, I mean, I, I think I see a lot of storage on the ground, a lot of, you know, boxes and unreturned purchases, um, online purchases in hallways and in mudrooms and perhaps out in the garage that people haven't gotten around to getting rid of. Um, and, you know, just, um, yes, toast, tote bags, um, bags from having gone shopping and not unpack them. Things like that. So is it about creating more storage or they have just used up all their storage and there's nowhere to put everything except on the floors and anywhere they can find? Well, I think it's, I think it's, so I think there are a couple of things. I think a lot of people um, have not really thought through how to use their storage space for any number of reasons, right? You move in, it's overwhelming, you get busy, you don't really, you know, get fully organized to begin with, and then it's kind of harder to go back to um, a little bit later. But I think one of the sort of hallmark and most important things in organization is having a place for everything. And if you haven't created a place, for instance, that's easy to put things away um, and where it's easy to retrieve things, it seems like, oh, it'll just be easier to leave it here. And so, um, you know, I think that there is a, it's really important to, to sort of identify and create um particular spaces and let everybody in your family know that, you know, this is where something belongs and things need to be put away. And it takes time and it is, um, you know, you need to develop routines um, and you need to sort of do a little bit every day. Um, letting things pile up like that really sort of gets people stuck. Yeah, I can imagine if I couldn't find it, I wouldn't be able to find anything if I had a lot of th- stuff to go through every day. 
So I can't even imagine. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, again, finding a place for everything and having a place for everything, um, you know, is really important, too, because then you know what you have. So you're not going out to buy more, right? It's like if you know that, oh, your scotch tape and your staples and your batteries are in a certain place, right, then you know to look there before you go out and buy them. But if you don't have a space and you don't really know where to look, you just go and buy more. And that is sort of one thing that leads to um, people feeling overwhelmed. Yes, I have done that. I have done more than once. <laughs> Me too, once in a while, <laughs> yeah. but I try not to. We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Be back on Clearing Your Space with Nicole Anzia. Support for KXSF-FM comes from Dress San Francisco, a fashion boutique located in the heart of the city's Marina District. Dress carries a wide range of contemporary clothing and jewelry designs with collections and styles to fit any occasion, from work to weekend and daytime to nighttime. Dress is located at 2271 Chestnut Street between Scott and Pierce. Shop in-store or online at DressSanFrancisco.com. Thank you for your support of San Francisco Community Radio. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Talking with Nicole Anzia before the break about how to start the year with clearing and renewal. So I would imagine that clutter causes a lot of anxiety and stress, right? Because I would think that a clear room would be more peaceful. Yes, absolutely. There is There are studies in neuroscience that shows um, that sort of clutter bombards our minds um, and it 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 makes it, it sort of overwhelms um, overwhelms our brains um, and makes it difficult to concentrate, causes anxiety, um, causes stress. Um, so a messy space sort of unnecessarily stimulates your brain in a way that isn't um, a great stimulation. So um, there's a professor, uh, Inger Burnett Ziegler, from Northwestern University who, who, who said um, that an environment in a constant, it, it, your, a disorganized environment is a constant visual reminder of things left undone, which is where what you're getting at, the stress and anxiety come in. Um, and it just, clutter sort of can make people feel overwhelmed and like their life is kind of out of control and, and chaos. So um, having a neat and organized living environment, um, you know, will not only sort of relieve mental stress and help you feel more productive, but it also um, is just sort of more soothing for the brain. It sounds like it has to be a constant priority that you make, right? Because things pile up, then you have to shed, and then they pile up again, then you have to shed, right, or clear them somehow. Yeah, I mean, what I tell people is like, you're not, I mean, unfortunately, you're not really ever done organizing. So it's not like if you make an organizing resolution and you do a ton of work in January, then you're just like done, right? Because throughout the day and throughout the year and throughout the months, you're still bringing things in and out of your house. So um, I really urge people, and I know that this is so tough with everybody's busy lives, but 
to do, you know, just 10 minutes each day, like put one or two things away in a proper spot. You know, don't, it doesn't have to be like, um, things don't have to be picture perfect in your home, but mess begets mess, right? So, um, so if you're, if you're constantly just putting things away and doing a tiny bit every day, it, you won't get to a point where you feel overwhelmed and then you need to set aside, for instance, an entire Saturday, you know, to do this work. So, um, it is really a continual process and, um, something that's sort of ongoing. And this, this is not meant to say that you need to spend every free moment, you know, organizing your home, but just that doing things a little bit here and there um, is really a lot easier than waiting until you've gotten to sort of an overwhelming spot. So would it be easier to have a good storage or organizational system then? It sounds like you have to have both. Yeah, I mean, I think, yes. I mean, if you love clothes, um, you should make sure that your closet is set up to accommodate, um, you know, your love of clothes. If you love shoes, then you need to think about the best way to store your shoes so that you can enjoy them, right? So it doesn't have to be, I'm not talking about doing, you know, fancy sort of built-ins and fancy closets and all of those things, but but I think that really thinking through and making space um, to have the things that you care about organized will allow you to enjoy them more. So it may mean, for instance, if your room doesn't have, if your closet doesn't have space for all the shoes, you know, maybe think about could you put a a shelf, you know, some shelving somewhere in your bedroom. It could even be a bookshelf. I don't know, you know, but, but thinking about, I guess, giving some thought to how you store things and where you store things is obviously really important. You don't want to, for instance, store your coats. I mean, people don't store their coats on the second floor because that's not where they use their coats and need their coats, right? They need them near the front door. Um, so thinking about where you put things, um, how you store them, how much space you have, and then thinking um, sort of backward about what you can buy um, and what you can't buy, depending on your space. So if you don't have the space to accommodate what you have, then you get rid of it? If that's the only choice, you think? Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's the only choice, but I think, you know, you can get creative. Um, and, you know, it, it, maybe it is that, you know, you have, for instance, a guest room in your home that you never use, right? Nobody's ever in there. And you happen to have clothes everywhere in your closet and in your bedroom that you can't store. I mean, maybe it means putting some hanging racks in the second bedroom and sort of giving up on the dream of having, you know, just a guest bedroom. Um, maybe it's if you are a huge reader and collect books, um, it's, you know, buying a couple new or bigger bookshelves. Um, and, I mean, I, I do think before you go out and buy storage containers or shelves or bins or whatever it is, the first step would be clearly to, like, get rid of what you, you know, get rid of the things that you don't want or need in any category, and then figure out how best to store what you have left. So I believe there's a rule, right, of how long, if you haven't used something, I'm just, I don't know if there's actually a rule, I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't used something and how long should you get rid of it, a year? Um, I mean, I do not hold fast to that, you know, to that sort of rule. I think it's, you know, 
for instance, you have you you know, do we need to keep every paper book paperback book we have? Of course not. Um, but might there be some hardcover books that you once read and that were your favorites? And of course, you're not going to read them again, but you love to have them. Like you can keep them. Same with clothes. Like, um, I mean, generally speaking, if you haven't worn it in the past year, you're probably not going to wear it. Um, that being said, if there's a special item or two that you really just want to keep, maybe it's something you wore to a special occasion or you just particularly love, even though it doesn't fit you, by all means keep it, right? You don't have to get rid of um, everything um, and, you know, that you haven't used in a year. For instance, in, in, in a kitchen, you know, you might have some gadget, you know, that you've sort of forgotten about because it's been, you know, in the back of a cabinet for a while and you discover it again and, you know, you start to use it. So I, I just think that assessing your possessions sort of on a regular basis is um, is is really important as opposed to sort of just having a stringent, um, you know, one-year rule or something like that because people just have, you know, they assign value to things in different ways. So it's often not that simple, but it's a good sort of thing to think about, I think, uh, that timeline. Okay, so it sounds like we also keep things because it's sentimental, even though we're not using it or we need it. Or Yeah, and I am actually a very sentimental person, so I do keep things also. I think the important thing is, number one, if you love an item, you know, it's beautiful, it's your grandmother's china, it's a vase that somebody bought you, it's um, a piece of artwork, um, you know, all of those things, like, you should find a way to have them visible and to display them and to use them um, in your house. Um, you know, it might be a silver platter or something like that. Um, but other things that people keep, right, old photographs, cards that people gave them, um, you know, a special, I don't know, a special uh, journal or things like that, you know, things from the past that you deem sentimental. Those are totally fine to have. Um, I think the important thing is is storing them in a way that they're not sort of integrated also with your everyday living. Um, so you want to be able to know where they are and you want to be able to access them. They could be in a, you know, in a guest closet or in a basement closet, in a clear labeled bin or in an attic or, you know, something like that. So you can find them if you need them, but you don't really need them sort of circulating um, among the things that you use daily. Well, we're talking about creative ways that we can reuse what we have. And you had mentioned about using silver instead of using for serving food to use it for maybe displaying jewelry or storing jewelry. What are some of the other suggestions that you would make in terms of how we can reuse um, what we have? Yeah, I mean, my I have two daughters who are constantly finding things that I sort of I'm ready to get rid of or donate, and they are so creative in thinking about um, other ways to use them. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, a picture frame, for instance, that you no longer want to display a picture in, um, but, you know, sometimes you can use that for, you know, creative purposes, you know, uh, use it to create some piece of art or something like that. Um, There are, you know, any number of, of you know, china bowls and things like that. Um, you know, people can often, you, you can, people don't use them every day and serve dinners and meals in them, but you could use them, for instance, you know, to have some, um, 
you know, to put some change in or, you know, um, to put your keys in or to put your, you know, a ring, your ring and um, earrings in at night. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, just smart ways to just think about, um, you know, to repurposing things. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Ribbons and all, like, there's just ribbons and stationary um, cards, things like that, um, you know, can always be, I guess, not, you could reuse them for an art project or something in your own home, but I often try to think of, like, who else would be able to use them for something interesting, um, and oftentimes that's a local school or a local um, sort of art studio, you know, things like that. So I just try to think outside of the box about um, even if I can't reuse something, um, who else might find a purpose for it. So apparently donation stores can only sell a third of what they receive now, right? So a lot of stuff is now going to landfill. So the question becomes, you know, what can we do differently? Let's say even we're we're shedding or clearing, um, besides maybe finding new ways of reusing them, what are the other possibilities that we can shed without guilt? Yeah, I mean, I think that that your statistic is entirely true, that um, especially organizations, national organizations like Goodwill and Salvation Army um, do feel overwhelmed by donations and, you know, have way more than they need. So I, um, I try to look locally as much as I can um, to try to find a home for things. Like I said, local libraries are often a very good resource, um, you know, for, for used books um, and also for other items. Um, you, can in, you, know, you can ask uh, what they might need. Sometimes they're interested in old photos. Sometimes they're interested in, you know, records. You know, sometimes they're interested in other things, old um, DVDs or VHS tapes even. So I try to think like that. Um, and then think locally about a nonprofit or um, an association who is maybe helping a family transition into a new home or um, or an organization that might be helping a family after some natural disaster or things like that. So I just, I th- and I think that there is a real push toward not just throwing things away, but finding a home for them and finding um, somebody who can use them. And I think also on the on the receiving end of that, um, people are really looking for um, things that they don't have to buy new. Um, and so you might have vintage stores or local consignment stores that will take things also, um, a local school, you know, a little community center. So I just think you kind of have to think creatively and ask around and ask people questions and talk to people. And um, and if you have something that you're not sure what to do with, ask, you know, put it on a neighborhood, you know, listserv or on Nextdoor or, you know, some community sharing site just to see if there's a need for it because often there is. Time for a quick break and we'll be right back with Clearing for the New Year. Support for KXSF comes from Lady Falcon Coffee Club, an iconoclastic, only in San Francisco, coffee roastery. Born and blended by the beach in the outer sunset and female-owned and operated, look for Lady Falcon Coffee Club beans at Byright, Williams-Sonoma, Gus's, Rainbow Grocery, Good Eggs, and other fine food vendors, 
or at their vintage mobile coffee truck about town. Learn more by visiting their website at ladyfalconcoffeeclub.com. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Nicole Anzia and I were talking about how we can rid of the guilt while we're shedding and put some reuse to what we currently have. So what about sharing economy? Do you think that there's um, that maybe there should be a mind shift towards how we own things? Like maybe it's so that we're collecting less, let's say, and we're sharing more. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great solution. I I think it's gaining momentum for sure. Um, I know in Washington, D.C., where I live and in other major cities, um, the sharing economy is is, um, growing. And people are just trying to think more about, um, you know, maybe I don't need to go purchase everything. Maybe I could ask a neighbor if I could borrow, you know, a couple of chairs and a table for a party, or if they have an extra set of plates for this party I'm having, or if, you know, they have 12 extra wine glasses. Um, you know, so just sort of thinking about, um, I know uh, one one community out here who um, – everybody has very small lawns in their neighborhood. So instead of everybody, you know, buying a lawn lawn mower or a leaf blower or a um, snow blower, they sort of have gone in together, bought one, and then if snow hits, they all can sort of share the snow blower, um, you know, which happens not very often. Or, you know, during the summer, it takes five minutes to cut one of their lawns, and then they can pass it along to the next person. So um, I think it's both. It's a great concept. It's interesting, both in terms of um, individuals then not accumulating so much, but it's also a really great way to save some money and to build community and to be in touch with people. Um, you know, and so I think it's gaining in popularity and people don't think it's like weird anymore <laughs> to ask somebody to borrow something. You know, it just seems more sort of mainstream and to make more sense. What about renting clothes? Do you see that taking off instead of having... You know, collecting an entire wardrobe? I, I don't see... I see renting clothes um, like formal wear, for sure, um, and especially in Washington, D.C., right? Oftentimes you're only wearing the garment once um, or twice, so why invest in you know something fancy that you're never going to wear again, for sure? I see that. Um, I see it less, obviously, with other... Um, you know, with the regular casual clothing, but I do see a lot... Um, of movement toward, um, again, shopping for used clothing, like in vintage stores or at consignment stores or online consignment sites, Um, not only because you can find great things and oftentimes you can find new things and oftentimes um, people want to, to find more unique things. So I see them not necessarily um, always gravitating toward chain stores into buying new. So wouldn't some of this collecting 
be tied to emotional buying or impulsive buying that we should also address? Um, Yeah, and I mean, that is sort of one thing that I'm really, I'm seeing more of and I'm sort of pushing with my clients this year is sort of the idea of um, shopping smarter and not buying things because they're on sale, because you might need them, you might want them just in case. Um, And so, and people, I think, especially in stressful sort of, um, in stressful times, um, try to find ways to distract themselves. And a lot of times um, for people that can be shopping and sort of emotional buying um, and more and more, obviously, it's so easy to shop online and to click. And when you, when you click and buy something, um, this neurotransmitter called dopamine kind of zips to your brain and, um, and sort of the anticipation now that you've bought something and you're waiting for it feels really good. And so next thing you know, you know, when you're feeling bad or when you're, you know, just down or something, you go, oh, I'm going to go and buy something online or I'm going to just run to the store and see what they have. Um, and so I, I do think that it's really important to think about why, um, why you're buying things and how that makes you feel and does it really make you happy in the long run or does it make you feel, you know, does it, does it really impact how you feel and improve your emotional, um, your emotional standing? So it sounds like we got to come up with a new habit. Uh, what, every time we get down or we need a new high, <laughs> like maybe cleaning or something. Um, so it sounds like it's about a mindset shift then, that clearing is not something that you just throw things out or shed or get rid of, but just how we approach our lifestyle as a way of keeping um, a sense of refresh and renewal. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think obviously, you know, you don't have to be a total minimalist. You can still buy things. Um, but I, I just think kind of thinking through a little bit of um, why you're buying things and then thinking through about how you're bringing it into your house and what that's going to mean and do you have space for it. And also, you know, how it impacts the environment and um, maybe even how – the message you're sending to other family members. I mean, habits are very hard to break, as we all know, and I'm certainly not suggesting that people just, like, don't shop. I just think, um, you know, you're you're buying all this stuff, and it, it can accumulate more quickly than you realize, and then you feel overwhelmed, and then that's like a whole, you know, it's kind of a cyclical um a, a cyclical thing. So I think, you know, as Marie Kondo has said, like, does it spark joy? And um, and having things in your house that are useful and meaningful and beautiful um, is definitely far better than having a bunch of stuff that, you know, is sort of nominally important to you. And so I often am, um, you know, I always think about if you're giving a gift, you know, maybe it's not something that you're going to give to somebody, but it, but rather a 
an experience or a, um, you know, uh, just something that something that is consumable. <laughs> you know, maybe it's a meal out. Maybe you're cooking food for them at their house. Maybe you're buying them a bottle of wine. Maybe you're um, sending them to the spa for the day. You know, all of those things. Um, you know, are not going to accumulate in your house and can be really meaningful. So you think we should focus more on uh, the experience, uh, gifting and mindset rather than the product or the um, the item, right? But yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, again, like buy the things that you love and use them and enjoy them, but think about... Um, sort of the dangers, I guess, of buying to excess. And I think in, I feel like in the last decade, there was a lot of sort of inexpensive clothes. Electronics are becoming less expensive. It's kind of like, why not? It's on sale. It's $5. I can just grab it. There's no, you know, it's no big deal, whatever. But if that mindset can kind of um, lead to some wasteful um wasteful purchases and consumption that I don't think is great for, you know, our people's mental health and also for the environment. And I think people are just trying to sort of rethink and change their mindset a little bit about um, what they really need and how they can um, have things they love but not feel overwhelmed. It's interesting you say that because technology has sped up the production of everything and it seems like and they're not long lasting either, right? But yes. it's like every the cycle of production seems to be going through so fast where the iPhone doesn't seem to even last more than a few years now for most people. Right. Um so given that though, what do we do with all these electronics that are going through usage at such a fast speed, you know, with the concerns about mercury being the landfill, because you can't just toss electronics into the landfill. Yeah, I recently wrote a column about this in the Washington Post, because every, almost virtually every client I have has a box of old electronics that they're not sure what to do with. And so they just do nothing and it gets moved from house to house. And as you said, this stuff is moving at the speed of, I mean, it is, you know, unbelievable how much things have changed in the last 20 years. And so um, it is really important, and I really urge people not to throw things in the landfill. Um, there are stores like um, like Best Buy and other electronic stores, which will take old electronics and recycle them. Um, they'll take everything from cords to headphones to um, laptops and phones and batteries and things like that. So that's a really good option, and um, I urge people to use those. There's also, I mean, there are more and more companies that are specializing in this, and some of them will even pick up from your home, and they will wipe clean computers and phones and destroy them and then recycle them for you because often the memory on the devices is, is what causes people to sort of um, get paralyzed about what to do with them. Apple has a, um, a give-back program where you can take in old devices and they'll give you an in-store credit and or if they can't accept it for some reason, they will take care of disposing of it. Um, Office Depot and Staples will take printer cartridges and give you credit for those. Um, and, and also, I, I try to urge people, again, like we were talking about earlier, to think about, you know, 
if if you no longer want this laptop because it's outdated, um, but it still works fine, right? Do some research in your community and see and if, see if it can be repurposed for somebody else um, who may be able to use it for you know sort of very basic uses. Um, also, with phones, there are often um, places that you know can well on on the on the internet you can learn fairly easily how to get your data off of your phone um, or go to the store that you purchased it. But also those can be given to people um, for domestic violence purpose. You know, there's a bunch of different organizations, veterans, um, and ways that those can be recycled and reused as well. Um, the key is to really keep up with them because they accumulate quickly. <laughs> um, things either break or they go, um, they become sort of less useful to you for any reason. Um, and I always urge people that when in, when you buy something new, um, to try to figure out how to get rid of the, your previous device, um, soon after that. Otherwise, the chances of you doing it are slim and then they'll pile up in that box. What are other ways of being environmentally conscious when you're clearing and you're boxing things up? Are there um, other organizations or places that everyone should be thinking about? Um, I mean, in terms of, so like, if you're, you know, clothes is um, a lot of, not a lot, of, some retailers will um, take your unused um clothing back and give you a credit. I know the company Marine Layer, you can send in an old T-shirt, they'll give you a $5 credit. Um, H&M, you can take clothes back and they'll recycle them. Um, Patagonia, of course, always um, will, will repair any old jackets or ski pants or tents or camping equipment, you know, for free um, and or they they will um, accept donations to be recycled into new products. Um, I think J Crew allows you to now recycle your jeans with them. So I just urge people to really do some research. Um, and like I said, there are online consignment stores um, that are really really user friendly, or you can send clothes to be resold if it's in good condition. Um, you know, I think about. Things like towels and, um, you know, hand towels and bath towels and beach towels that people don't want anymore can often go to animal shelters. They will use those. Um, so I, you know, it's just kind of thinking out of the box and doing a little tiny bit of work. Um, and you can usually find a way to either um, recycle or get something to somebody who can, who can use it. Do you think it makes a difference to buy sustainable products? I do. I mean, overall, right, I think we should lower our consumption. Um, you know, there are some statistics that um, I think uh, McKinsey study showed that since um, in 2014, people bought um, 60 more 60% more clothing than they did just 14 years earlier, and they kept their purchases, you know, half as long. Um, and the average American throws out about 80 pounds of clothing a year, which is sort of a staggering number. So I think overall, 
you know, a decline in our consumption is most helpful. But then, you know, there are things that you need. And if you can find a sustainable or organic um, clothing line that you like and that you could buy a few things from, there are organic sheets. You know, there are um, sheets that are, you know, bed sheets that are made with more sustainable materials. You know, things like that, I think, are really important. I mean, every little bit helps. And so, um you know, I urge people to sort of seek out and and do research and um, see if there are items that are um, not as bad for the environment. So the bottom line is really to focus on a mind shift of how we purchase, right, in terms of this entire clearing process, coming into New Year and being able to sustain that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, buy what we need, it sounds like. So that means we can't be going to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Costco if you're going to use this stuff and it's not going to, you know, go bad and, you know, you still, you have room for it. Um, that's okay. You said that you have this challenge of not buying anything for a month or more that you have presented. How does that work? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I just, I think that it's it's one thing to just say, like, oh, try to buy less, right? It's it's um, a much easier sort of prospect to think about a given amount of time. And, you know, we've just had the holidays. We've all accumulated probably more than we needed um, through gifts and through our own purchases and things like that. So maybe just try and just as an experiment you know, think about for one month, trying not to buy anything aside from the obvious food and things like that. You know, if you're dying to buy a book, maybe you could check it out from the library. Maybe you could borrow it from a friend. You know, um, if, you know, you're feeling like you need something to wear um, that you don't have, maybe you could, again, look at either buying something second. Well, think about buying something secondhand, not that month, but borrowing something from somebody and or just making whatever, you know, you have in your closet work, which oftentimes it will. Um, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, just just sort of. I think it's an interesting challenge for people because we're, it's just so easy to click a button and buy stuff to just, you know, give it a try and see how you feel and see if simplifying sort of the items that are coming into your house um, makes you feel more in control and makes you feel better and actually frees up some time for you. Okay, if we were to end with the five strategies for staying organized and clutter-free and to sustain it throughout the year, what would they be? Okay, can I do six? Sure. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I would say keep it simple. Like, don't try to create these elaborate systems for things. You know, you're... Your paper files can just be, you know, um, they they don't need to be, you know, every specific category. It can be, you know, home purchases. It can be business expenses. It could be, you know, um, utility bills. Like, don't try to make this too difficult, right? Just aim to get things organized so that you can find what you need, know what you have, and, you know, put things away more easily. Um, I would say develop some routines, so that, you know, 
it sort of becomes maybe habitual to open your mail when you walk in the door at night or to look at your mail first thing in the morning or to do your laundry every Saturday morning and put it away on Sunday, um, whatever that may be. You know, maybe you start the dishwasher every night and you empty it in the morning. So just develop some very basic routines. Um, as I said earlier, just create a place for everything and put everything in its place. And again, this does not have to be this elaborate, you know, system of drawers and bins and dividers and all of these things. But if you know that your um, uh, your office supplies are here, you know, make sure that you're always putting them there. Make sure everybody knows they're there. Make make sure they get put away. Um, I always recommend people should keep a current and detailed to-do list. So um, just writing tasks down um, and things that you need to get done um, and being able to check them off really keeps people motivated and makes people – It just writing a to-do list, I think, especially every night it's shown that people are sleep better and, um, you know, feel more calm going to sleep um, just for the next day. And, again, this does not have to be anything elaborate. Just jot down a few things you need to do the next day and keep a running list. Um, and then toss, toss things regularly. So, again, like I was saying, don't let your – mail pile up for two weeks and then decide to go through it all. It would just be so much easier to open it every day. It takes five minutes. Um, if you feel like you're overwhelmed with clothes, keep a bag in your closet. And, you know, if there's something that, you know, you kind of zip by every day and you're never going to wear it, put it in the bag when the bag is full, take it to somewhere to donate. So um, just do a little bit of purging here and there, empty out a junk drawer one day, maybe if you have 30 minutes, um, or, you know, go through your pantry, things like that. And then last, I just, I think in this Instagram age, um, and there's so many home improvement TV shows and podcasts and all of those things that people are sort of, um, can you can see, set an unrealistic goal for yourself. Um, your house, your books do not need to be color coordinated. Your socks don't need to be perfectly arranged in your drawer um, or your t-shirts perfectly folded. Um, you know, if you, um, if it's neat enough and you know where things are and your books are arranged, you know, I don't know, by author or by type of book or whatever, that's fine. Your standard and whatever you do, is good. <laughs> you don't need to um, to attain some Instagrammable um, type storage system for your home. Um, I would just say, you know, a constant sort of culling and keeping things under control and knowing where things are is victory. Thank you so much for summarizing the strategies for this year. And thank You're you welcome. for joining me on Spark today.